0: This episode of Talk Central is brought to you by Pinnacle, Africa's top ICT distribution business, delivering the exceptional every time. I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan Macleod.
1: This is Talk Central episode triple two for the week starting 17 June 2018.
0: Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, SA's premier tech news website and podcast network.
1: On Talk Central this week, Lars Reichelt joins us from Switzerland.
0: In the news this week, Liberty hacked as cyber criminals demand ransom, load shedding is back, Vodacom versus MTN over best network claims, and US net neutrality rules expire.
1: It's Sunday, we're live on live.techcentral.co.za and it's time to talk everything technology.
0: Oh, how's it, Rechot? How are you doing?
1: How's it, Duncan?
0: Good, thanks. So, all the way from Switzerland today, we're very, very pleased to be joined by Lars Reichelt, the former CEO of Celsi. Lars, thanks so much for joining us on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me, and I'm, uh, I'm very excited to be on your show.
0: Oh, It's a, it's a great pleasure to, to have you here. Lars, you, um, you resigned from Celsi, I think it was in 20, Was it 2011 now, or 2012? 2011. 2011, okay, it's been a long time, actually. It feels like just the other day you were running CLC. Uh what, what have you been up to in the intervening period?
2: I have been up to uh, what, I, what I love doing most, uh, which is uh, trying to help uh, operators uh, and boards uh, to you know, innovate, to, uh, to righten the ship. Uh, so I've been to uh, Georgia. Uh, I've been to uh, Nepal uh, last year. And I'm doing a lot of work with uh, startups, uh, from uh, data storage companies to uh, IoT security companies. Uh, and it's not only telecoms, but, uh, but still, that's my, my, main, my main purpose in life seems to be telecoms.
0: Telecoms, right. And have you been back to South Africa since you left?
2: Unfortunately, not. No, yeah. I haven't.
0: Okay, okay.
2: But I've been following it closely because uh, it still is a country that is very close to my heart.
0: Yeah. What's your views generally on the South African situation as as what I suppose I could call you an outsider now? Um, you're watching the country, watching the political developments, I'm, I'm sure watching the developments in the telecommunications market here. Um, mm-hmm. what do, what's your sort of broad strokes take on on what's happening in South Africa?
2: Well, I'm, I'm extremely happy uh, and pleased for South Africa and South Africans uh, with the political change that has happened. Uh, it was uh, a nightmare that is now uh, at least uh, can be tackled. Um, I think Ramaphosa has his hands full, uh, but if anybody can do it, uh, it's probably him. Yeah. Uh, I would just warn that the, the damage that was done over the last couple of years is so massive uh, that it will take, uh, unfortunately, a lot of time uh, to righten that ship, uh, and it will probably task the patience of people uh, in in a, in a very severe way, um, but you can't rush uh, keying it up.
0: yeah, and the telecoms market, um, are you interested in how it's developed, how your former company has progressed since uh, since you left, how the competitive situation is shaping up?
2: I'm obviously following that still uh, still have lots of friends uh, you know in the in the telco sector. Um, I have to say that uh, you know Vodacom has done a, an absolutely stellar job. Uh, while the others were fighting, um, you know, whatever they were doing, uh, Vodocom essentially put the, the the foot down to the to the metal and really accelerated uh, far away uh, from all of the other competitors. And um, they have done all the right things. Uh, I think Shamil has done a very, very remarkable job and his whole team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're providing, from what I hear, what I hear, uh, extremely good service. Uh, prices have come down, so people can afford uh, data, uh, which they couldn't before. So um, I think MTN is also on a good track. Uh, Cell C, not sure if they have found their their mojo. If they if they know what they want to be, they seem to be a bit un, un, uncertain about that. Um, and Telkom, again, a good job in restructuring, um, but still not quite clear. That they they can um, you know, really compete with a, a Vodacom mm. in the long run
0: do you think there needs to be some consolidation in this market? I mean, We saw Telcom try to do that radio access uh, sharing agreement with uh, MTN that was blocked by the competition authorities. Then Telcom launched what I think was probably a bit of a cheeky bid to buy out Celsi C and that eventually went to Blue Label. Telecom's a net one. Um, do do you think there's a need for some consolidation in this market or do you think the level of competition we see here is sufficient and good and and uh, and, and and we have a functioning market?
2: I think the, the regulator, uh, and this can be the competition commission, this can be ICASA, this can be the uh, Ministry of Telecoms, uh, not only in South Africa but around the world, have to really look hard and think through uh, what do we want uh, Do we want um, a a market that is that is working with competitors that have sufficient financial stability um, to compete effectively uh, and that has that has a couple of ramifications. one, I think uh, network sharing. Uh, Ran sharing, um, national roaming deals should be absolutely the order uh, of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, they should be made easy uh, because there is no sense in competing, if you want, on, on building towers, uh, particularly not with uh, building permits taking forever uh, and unclear regulation. I think the only way you can do this properly is sharing, uh, just like we share the infrastructure of the Internet. Uh, and this is the same thing. So infrastructure sharing should be made very easy. Uh, the other thing is um, frequencies uh, should be uh, not given out uh, by by um, let's say by by asking a lot of money but they should be given out by asking for uh, coverage requirements uh, that should be met very quickly. Uh, and if these two things are met then I think you will have a healthy competition. Um, in the early days competition was infrastructure based now inf- Competition is based on experience, uh, is based on uh, a telco being more than just an access provider, but a platform for other things. And the world is moving increasingly towards mobile first. uh, And therefore, you know, all the impediments to making mobile, uh, uh, you know, the the easiest and most accessible way of getting to the Internet uh, have to be removed. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of the government's uh, Wholesale Open Access Network proposal? It's been, um, it's been heavily criticized, particularly by MTN and Vodacom, uh, and, and welcomed by some of the smaller players, including uh, C and Telcom, with some slightly different views on exactly how it should work. Um, the, the big guys argue this hasn't been tried anywhere else in the world. It's risky. Um, we'll support it in a hybrid model, but... Uh, it might not work. Um, what's your view of a WOAN? Have you seen a WOAN anywhere else in the world in in, in your work that um, that has been successful? And, and do you think it might be a successful project here in South Africa?
2: I have not seen a uh, a public publicly run uh, open access network uh, that works, um, and I don't think it can, uh, simply because governments are uh, meant to govern, um, and that alone is is pretty hard to build an enterprise in a in a market uh and and run that enterprise well uh, is very very difficult and if you look uh, all around the world whenever you have taken enterprise uh, government owned enterprises and set them free uh, then either they went under uh, or they flourished but uh if you want an example of uh, how not to do it i think you just can look at all the government-owned enterprises in South Africa Mm -hmm. and you tell me one that is working well, uh, I don't think we'll find one. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think it's a very, very bad idea to have a a uh, government-operated access network. It it is an experiment that is bound to fail Um, and it it would be much, much smarter for the government to think through how can we make sure that all the uh, framework Um, That we need to build from regulation to building permits to rights of ways to whatever else there is can be made as conducive and as intelligent, as frictionless as possible uh, and emphasize that effort uh, Mm. rather than trying to build their own network.
0: Right, right. Um, they have said they want it to be a private sector-led initiative. Um, they just want to create the framework in which this will operate. Uh, but um, I, I hear you. It's um, it, it is at the end of the day a, a construct of the government. And uh, and um, yeah, I can't think of anyone that's been successful anywhere. I think Mexico's tried it, Rwanda's tried it, but um, not, nothing that's been particularly successful. We should get into the news. Um, but before we do that, Rechot, shall we do our quiz? Do you want to do the first yes, question?
1: Yes, indeed. Okay, first question of this week's quiz. ESCOM introduced stage one load shedding this week. When was the last time ESCOM forced to load shed? What was we're a, just looking for the year, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the year, yeah. <laughs> Easy question. What was Vodacom Group CEO Shamil Jusub's total pre-tax remuneration for the 2018 financial year and will accept answers to the closest million rand?
1: Third question A Martian dust storm covering a quarter of the planet threatens to end a 15 year exploration mission by, Na- by the NASA rover. What is the name of that rover?
0: And uh, the fourth question this week A US court this week allowed the acquisition by which giant US telecoms company of which giant
1: US media company? And the final question Former Celesti CEO Lars Reichelt, who left the mobile operator in 2011, joined which Georgian telecoms operator in 2012?
0: That is not an easy question. <laughs> Maybe Lars can drop can drop a hint as we talk through the show today. <laughs> but it um, let, certainly can. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's dive into our uh, let's dive into our news this week, and there's, there's plenty of talk to talk about. And Lars, please feel free to jump in at any time uh, with your views on any of these stories. But uh, a story that broke late last night. I think it must have been around. Uh, Uh, 10, ten ten thirty last night uh, After we stopped playing games online, uh, um, Rachat Liberty I see
1: you wrote the story very quickly right after that I
0: did, yeah yeah. Um, Liberty sent out an SMS to its clients And started reporting on Twitter that it had been hacked Or suspected it had been hacked by cyber criminals Who were demanding a ransom in return for them Not leaking this information onto the internet The Sunday Times subsequently reported uh, early this morning that uh, the cyber criminals, according to their sources, are demanding millions of rand in settlement. Otherwise, they will release customer information. They haven't specified what customer information onto the Internet. And uh, the Sunday Times was quoting the source at Liberty as saying that uh, their IT team were running around like headless chickens trying to figure out exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, yet another major cybersecurity incident. Um, it seems they're becoming all too commonplace here in South Africa, Richard.
1: Yeah, I think it shows you how vulnerable so many of these big corporates are. Uh, I mean, if I look at the, the insides of many of the companies I've worked with, you know, it's not always a, a very simple, straightforward system that they've set up. And, and that's part of the problem here. There's, there's, I think, a lot of access points to many of these systems in many cases. Yeah,
0: and it must certainly be, I mean, to see this on the front page of of a national newspaper, must certainly um, be a wake-up call to many IT directors and CEOs who perhaps take cybersecurity a little too complacently. Um, You know, this is a very serious incident. You've got some criminals here, and that's what they are, basically shaking down a JSE-listed company and telling them, uh, you know, you pay us or we, uh, we publish all your clients' information online. It's a very... Very serious situation, probably more serious than some of the uh, other leaks that we've seen over the last little while, which were probably just the result of negligence more than anything else. This is a, a deliberate mm-hmm. cyber intrusion and an attempt to shake down a company.
1: Yeah, this certainly isn't good. And I'm um, looking at the kind of information Liberty would likely have um, on people, uh, you know, on their customers. It, it's it could be potentially devastating in many ways. Yeah.
0: So Liberty has announced that they're going to be putting out a statement sometime later today um, where they hopefully will be providing a lot more detail as to what exactly has happened, uh, how uh, their customers have been affected or may be affected, and what they're doing to rectify the situation. Um, It's going to have to be quite a detailed statement, I think, to put um, users' concerns at ease. And, of course, this is a listed company, and um, if they're not seeing to be dealing with this issue in, in the correct way, we could see an impact on their share price when markets open tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm not sure there's too much else to be said on on Liberty. Uh, so, let's talk about load shedding instead.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, look. Sorry, Richard. No, no, I said, yeah. Look, it's it's not a good situation either way.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Lars, you you must be quite pleased that uh, you're in Switzerland because load shedding is back as of uh, – when did it start? Thursday or Friday this week? I think yeah. it was Thursday evening. Thursday evening. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, I got load shed on Friday just as I was finishing work um, around 4.30. The power went off for about three hours. Um, so, of course, all is the result of the – um, of the strike that um, workers, Eskom workers have gone on after management said that there would be a wage freeze, no increase in 2018. Um, we all know, we've seen the statistics about how much um, Eskom workers are paid. The average salary at Eskom is sitting at around the 770,000 rand mark. Mm. Uh, which would suggest uh, uh, you know unless the senior management is being paid exorbitant figures, which they may well be, uh, it, it would suggest that uh, ESCOM employees are generally pretty well paid people uh, uh, yet they have gone on uh, a national strike and have um, there have been incidents according to escom of of sabotage. And intimidation. Uh, this has impacted the um, a number of their power plants, particularly on the Mpumalanga High Felt, which is where a lot of their coal fired power stations are located. And the result of that was that uh, as of Thursday evening, ESCOM started load, load, uh, stage one load shedding. Uh, this continued into Friday. Uh, thankfully, it does seem to have settled down this weekend. Uh, I don't think there's been any end to the industrial action, though, so um, we may be back into a load shedding situation once again from Monday once uh, demand from industry picks up again. But, uh, yeah, have you, have you been hit by it at all, Richard?
1: No, fortunately not. I mean, at the office we got generators, so they do kick in. Um, but we, I haven't experienced it, not not in this part. Uh, there's been talks about it all over the neighborhood, uh, the local chat groups. Um, yeah. So a lot of the neighborhoods around me here in the parks area have been hit. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah how can you demand a wage increase if, if that average salary is so is relatively good i 'm not saying people don 't deserve it, but you know generally South Africa is in a pretty tight space at the moment
0: and Escom itself and, is in a very yeah. serious situation they 're they're, they're basically bankrupt uh, they 've got so much debt on their balance sheet that, um, that uh, you know they 're going to have to go through some serious uh, restructuring and, and and probably retrenchments and if they were to hike the salaries by the amount the unions are demanding, which is 15%, uh, then that's probably just going to make the pain even worse down the road when it comes to those retrenchments.
1: And didn't I uh, read you uh, you wrote somewhere that uh, the staff count they have now is uh, more than what it was 10 years ago, but the capacity output or something like that. It hasn't hasn't changed much.
0: That's right. Uh, the, I, I forget the exact figure, but it was something along the lines of ESCOM having, you know, something like sixty or seventy percent more workers now than they did ten years ago, and producing the same amount of electricity. So, in other words, the the productivity factor has 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 it's gone down, down massively. Um, but it's, I see, that's
1: a uh, massive problem. Mm,
0: it is, Lars. It must be quite a challenge as a as a telecommunications operator. I think you you left the country before the the big load shedding started to happen here but it mm-hmm. must be a real challenge for a for a mobile operator to keep its network operational in an environment where where there are rolling blackouts and uh, um, we obviously saw this back in in 2015 2016 when the when the situation was very serious and we were up to stage 4 load shedding at at some points but uh, you know rolling blackouts must make running a network operation very very challenging
2: it is extremely challenging um i uh, you know we you know, when I was in South Africa, we, we tried to put uh, generators uh, at every single new base station, uh, but these generators are extremely costly. Uh, you have to uh, refill them with fuel. Um, it's a it's a real you know it's it's a nightmare. Um, and I think the only way you can you can go against that is is to actually uh, run as much of solar power, uh, wind power, if possible, mm-hmm. if you if that's possible in the country. Uh, so, for example, in I was working in Nepal with an operator, and um, we were investigating to put uh, wind power there, but that wouldn't work because the wind speeds would be too high, um, and essentially there would, you know, it would be it would be not possible. But solar looked quite good, uh, in particular because the new uh, equipment uh, requires less uh, power, mm-hmm. so you could run uh, solar panels. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, new proper batteries, not the old uh, car batteries that we used to have, which are and don't have a, a lot of power reserve, but modernly built. Uh, but it's, it's a real challenge. Yes, mm-hmm. it's very difficult.
0: Yeah. I, I remember looking in the MTN annual report, I think it was last year's annual report, about the amount of diesel that they consume. Uh, I don't have the figures in front of me here, but it was absolutely astonishing. Uh, yeah. not, not so much here for, for South Africa, but uh, there are operations elsewhere in Africa, like Nigeria, for example, where the, where the network actually – a big chunk of it runs on diesel all of the time just because there is no electricity supply or no reliable electricity supply. Uh, and, and the figures um, were, were, were staggering about how much, uh, how much diesel they, they consume. So this also has a very direct impact on the environment because um, this is a dirty industry in, in developing markets where, where electricity is not readily available.
2: Well, not only the diesel itself, but actually the truck rolls to get the diesel to the, to the, to the stations. Yeah. Or to the to the base stations uh the other one is protecting uh the tanks at the base stations from uh from having a shrinkage so to speak <laughs> uh, it adds it adds uh, it adds a whole layer of complexity that is uh, quite difficult to manage and again the probably the best way is to uh, to use uh solar power um and um you know use use battery packs because that that makes life a lot easier but it's still quite expensive uh, and not many operators are willing to go that route. Um, but a, a lot of them start doing it in, in earnest because the long-term mm. uh, return on investment is much better.
0: And I'd imagine this has a, has an impact on, on the costs for operators as well, which are ultimately passed on to consumers in the form of higher tariffs.
2: Yeah. Or, well... Uh, we, I'm always amused when people talk about higher tariffs. Um, I think the telecoms industry is the only one that hardly ever sees higher tariffs. <laughs> um, everybody else uh, can say we have inflation, we have this, we have that, we have a higher cost structure. So therefore, we're going to raise prices. It hardly ever happens uh, in the telecoms industry. So I think in fairness, uh, price rises by telcos are uh, um, n- not really happening. So it's, yeah. it's it essentially you have to become more efficient.
0: Yeah, eat the costs and uh, yeah. um, grow the customer base to ensure that you can uh, maintain that bottom line, I suppose.
2: Well, you have to work. I mean, I think this is the big challenge for all operators going forward. Uh, how do I reduce my capex uh, while the demand on the networks are getting higher and higher? Um, and how do I reduce my opex? Um, because if you look at the fixed costs an operator has, they are very, very high. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is very little, you know, it, it requires some very, very uh, astute management to bring those costs down. Um, and it's not easy.
0: I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. And uh, I'm, I'm sure the local telcos were, were watching with horror as load shedding returned this week, Uh f- Three years since it last happened. Uh, Obviously, the the regular blackouts that we see, but uh, uh, the the rolling blackout situation must have have caused some uh, consternation for the CEOs of the respective mobile operators here, I have no doubt. We need to take a quick ad break. We'll be back right after this. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect
1: Look, I can see the lights of the TV. Please, I just want to watch the finale. Come on, guys. I'll give you a foot massage anything.
2: Time to get your own fiber? Speak to Vox. Because for a limited time period, you can save up to 3,000 Rand in installation costs. And we'll send a technician to help you get set up. Hello? Go to vox.co.za. Get fiber to your home. Get free installation and activation. Open the door to endless entertainment. T's and C's apply.
0: Welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechard? How's it, Lars? How's it? So, how's it? How's it? <laughs> how's it from Switzerland? Um, uh, what else do we need to talk about this week? Vodacom versus MTN. This is a really interesting uh, story. I think we spoke about it in the show last week, Rechard, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the ASA, the Advertising Standards Authority, and I think Lars will remember the Advertising Standards Authority quite well, <laughs> given some of the <laughs> battles that he faced there. Somewhat. <laughs> some of the battles you faced at the ASA, uh, th- three G, four Gs comes to mind, uh, for great speed, I think it stood for, right? And for great service,
2: exactly. Great service. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so Vodacom and, and MTN have been at it at the ASA. Uh, the um, just just very briefly, Vodacom ran some print ads back in January of this year, in which they said they had the best network, and underneath in small types said based on. Uh, based on the South African Consumer Satisfaction Index report, SACSI, um, and MTN took this uh, to the ASA saying, actually we haven't, we've been saying in our all our advertising over the years that best network is a measure of network performance and network speed. Uh, Vodacom has suddenly changed the, uh, the rules of the game here. Well, this is not fair. And so they went to the ASA. The ASA found in Vodacom's favor and MTN then took that on review to the ASA tribunal where the the original decision of the ASA was overturned. This happened about a week ago. So, um, Big celebrations at MTN. Uh, Vodacom can no longer say in its advertising that it has South Africa's best network. So I was rather surprised when I picked up my copy of the Sunday Times today and saw right at the front of the newspaper a very large advertisement from Vodacom saying South Africa's best network with a little asterisk mm. next to it and underneath it says, says based on the South African Consumer Satisfaction Index Survey. So I'm not sure what Vodacom is doing here exactly, but uh, it certainly would appear... At face value, anyway, to me, that um, Vodacom is in breach of the decision of the tribunal. Um, I haven't got comment from Vodacom yet on uh, on whether they've changed the wording slightly, and the, that they perhaps now feel that they can get away with saying they've got SA's best network based on the Saxy survey findings. Uh, but certainly, at first glance, it looks to me like Vodacom has um, has has broken the the um, ruling of the tribunal. So. I expect that the next step will be for MTN to go back to the Advertising Standards Authority and to seek sanctions against Vodacom, which is the next step in this process usually. Uh, interesting fight. I, I do wonder, though, Lars, whether, um, whether consumers really care. This is, seems to be big egos at play here about who can claim to be the best network. Does it, does it really matter?
2: I, I think it does matter that you have uh, a very good network. Uh, and I think statistically, you can actually uh, see if uh, an operator has a better network, uh, he will earn uh, more money and he will have a better market share. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that it matters to the consumer uh, if the company says, I have the best network. Um, my, my take on the ASA, I think, uh, has been, uh, has always been that I find it a, um, a rather strange um, institution. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you look over the years at the, at the things that are brought or had been brought to the ASA, um, you know, more often than not, you wonder, you wonder why should anybody rule on this? Um, but I think it does, it does matter that, um, you know, you have a network uh, that works for customers. But then again, you know, a mobile network is, people tend to forget, it's, um, it's a bit like, like light. And where there is light, there's also shadow. And you can have a fantastic network, but in the corner of your house where you normally make a phone call, it just doesn't get there. So therefore, you know, the experience is not that good. I think it's for everybody to figure out for himself, you know, does it work for me or not? Um, and coming back to the original discussion we had about uh, sharing networks, I think, uh, it is quite helpful to actually, um, share network infrastructure, uh, and for example, in the, in a simple way, allow national roaming um because that makes the network better for everybody which in turn means uh everybody is is going to use it more uh and uh you know then you you don't have the issues of um of network quality quite so substantially as you may yeah. have them uh, still today
0: it does. It does seem to me to be a bit unseemly, though, to have these corporate titans, these these big elephants, if you like, squabbling in such a public way. Um, I I can see why they, uh, why it's a you know why they're fighting over the claim to be the best network. But at the same time, the whole thing does seem a little bit unseemly to me. I don't know what your views are, Rechat.
1: Look, uh, it certainly gives the marketing department something cool to do, right? Because guerrilla marketing and doing all these weird tactics to just get get mentioned and exposure yeah, it's kind of what it's all about these days. Yeah. So uh, the lines constantly get get blurred with this type of thing. Lines get crossed, and and also, I mean, the ASA, how much clout do they really have? I mean, with some of the businesses I've worked with, we don't we don't subscribe to any of the what they do. Um, obviously, you know, you just don't necessarily want the bad publicity that comes with somebody uh, calling you out on something. I guess. But then but again, I suppose
0: that. I suppose bad publicity is is good publicity at the end of the day. Any publicity yeah. is good publicity. Any I mean, publicity. Yeah. Lars, in the four Gs um, uh, fight that happened at the at the ASA. I mean, Cell C at the end of the day was was the net beneficiary, wasn't it? Because the brand was being talked about
2: again i I would have loved to do without all these a s a uh submissions et cetera et cetera it was a an enormous quite frankly in my book a waste of time mm-hmm. um mm. it was over peanuts um it wasn't really but it was you know it was fine i mean you know in the end uh, there was there was publicity in the end people talked about it people actually questioned um and uh, i think the the quint essence was that um Yes, you know the the whole thing was talked about, but again, I, I question the, 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 whole, the whole idea of the ASA as being relevant because it's not that you are blatantly misleading uh, somebody. Uh, I think arguably, uh, if you look at Vodacom's network, it is an extremely good network. Uh, if you look at the amount of data they're carrying in uh, the number of customers, they're satisfying, um, they are certainly the biggest network. And arguably, they're probably also the best network. Um, and if you ask anybody you know, who is on the Vodacom network, in, more often than not, they'll probably say, yes, this is working very, very well. Yeah. Um, and for the ASA to say, well, you can't say that. Uh, you know, if the measurement is a consumer, you know, a consumer questionnaire where the consumers say, yes, for us, it is the best network, and you put that out there, then I think it's absolutely fair. And I think mm-hmm. they should have all the right to do it.
0: I must ask you if, if uh, with the benefit of hindsight and knowing what happened would you have um, would you have launched the four g s logo or campaign uh, or would you have gone done something else given what happened
2: hindsight is always difficult to be honest sure uh, um, I think we were uh you know I think we understood that we couldn't call it 4G, yeah. uh, which is why we actually called it 4GS. Um, and you know, again, we didn't feel that we were we were misleading anybody. I think we were the most open uh, operator in terms of customer criticism um, when customers had something to say about it. Um, they they told us and we tried to fix things. Um, I remember many nights, uh, you know, answering Twitter, uh, answering Facebook and other things. Um, I think we tried to be open. We tried to be transparent, um, and I think we did that quite well. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the issue was was taken on by not consumers, but it was taken on by let's say the other side, um, and they they saw that you know kind of we could potentially be dangerous uh, so they figured out ways how to stop us um, right. and um, yeah
0: didn't um, didn't T-Mobile US also call their network um, or use a term like 4G or something similar
2: actually all many many operators in the US in Europe uh, called it 4G uh, and even, nobody quite even, frankly gave a hoot about it right
1: <laughs> even though it was 3G <laughs>
2: Well, you know, the, the original there was an original definition that says if it's not 3G, then you can call it 4G. Uh, if it is, you know, all IP, blah 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 blah. There was a whole set of of the, and, and again, you had it in Europe, uh, where I think arguably consumer uh, protection is is much much stronger than I would think is it is in South mm. Africa, mm. Uh, and there was never a case in in Europe uh, or in the US for that matter. Uh, of anybody saying you can't call it that. Mm. Um, mm. It, people essentially said, look, you, know, you can call it whatever you like. Um, you know, uh, make sure that you, that the, the product works. Um, make sure that you know, you're, you're not misleading in the sense that you're saying this is a medicine that works, um, and then you find out it's not a medicine, it's a, you know, it's a placebo. But this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about marketing, and we're talking about a way of communicating.
0: What about, while we're talking about uh, mobile generations, um, what about 5G? That's coming soon to some markets. Uh, I think the first networks, are going, commercial networks are going to be rolled out um, later this year in places like Korea and uh, the US and possibly in places in Europe as well. But uh, what is your view of five G as a technology, Lars? Is it transformational? Is it um, is it much more than the switch, say, from three G to four G, or is are we just talking about greater speeds here, or does it change the industry?
2: I, I think the the network vendors would like to uh, see it as transformational. Um, the the talk about you know IoT running off this, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, self driving cars requiring millisecond reaction time uh, in communicating with the network and the cloud. Um, this could all very well be, but I think it's going to take uh, quite a lot longer um, for one, for a couple of reasons. A, uh, to build up um, this massive network, you will need to build many, many more sites uh, than what is currently available. Um, you will need to have um, well-working fiber uh, to every single site, uh, you know, because otherwise you can't get the speed. Um, and it, the the question for me is: is it is it something that sort of sits on top um, and sees particular use cases um, in a in a smaller area? Uh, then it's going to sort of grow if you want organically. Uh, I think 4G as a technology uh, is 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 extremely good uh it is so much easier to run than 3g mm-hmm. um it provides fantastic speeds uh you can you know if you use massive uh MIMO antennas uh you can see incredible capacity gains which will be needed um but for that you don't necessarily need 5g um, yeah. you can do this with 4g so i think it's a lot of hype um and i think there's a lot of difficulties in in rolling this out um where you know i think we haven't seen we, we haven't really fully grasped how difficult it's going to be and you know the the benefit in the long run will definitely be there um but in the mid term, let's say the next five years i don't think it's necessarily a consumer let's say a consumer
0: product and and probably quite limited in in develop developing markets like south africa i'd imagine maybe um a deployment in Santon and the center of Cape Town just to show it off but um, 4G will be a bit the, and, and possibly even still 3G will be the predominant way that people get online for the foreseeable future
2: I think you will see that, that the developing countries are very very quickly shifting to 4G yeah.
0: uh, because
2: it has tremendous benefits um, for the consumer as well as for the, for the operators um, the number of 4G uh, capable handsets is is is, is growing incredibly fast and they're getting you know they're getting very very uh let's say um, you can buy them for for very small money yeah uh, if you look at joe in in india i think that is the example um there you can buy a you know 25 five 4g capable handset um maybe it doesn't give you i don't know uh 100 mbps but it works uh it works very well for voice um, and so you, I think you'll see that a lot of the developing countries will will shift to 4G very, very quickly, which ho- hopefully will then allow to have more, more frequencies uh, available for, again, putting 4G on it rather than 2G or 3G. And I think everybody's going to benefit from that.
0: Great. Well, the last item of news on our list uh, this week is something I've actually put on here because I'm quite keen to get Lars' views on it, and uh, that is the expiry of the net neutrality rules in the U.S. The uh, Federal Communications Commission, uh, led by Ajit Pai, a Republican, has uh, allowed the Obama-era net neutrality rules to expire. So as of, I think, Monday this past week, they are no longer in force. Um, Lars, what's your take on this? Is this good or bad for consumers?
2: I I think it's there's a lot of black and white uh, discussions. Um, and I have a very good friend of mine who knows this market very well and who's looked in detail uh, into the new uh, regulations. And, you know, he believes quite strongly that... Uh, this is not as bad as it's made out to be. Um, a lot of the basic, if you want, protections are still there. Um, there is there is competition, um, so you know I I don't think it's as bad as it's made out to be. Uh, and I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be very upset with me saying that. But uh, I think it needs you need to look at it in detail. Um, and if you do that, you'll find out it's it's not quite as bad. Um, I think there's whenever you have regulation, you have to be aware of the unintended consequences. Yeah. Uh, either way. Um, and I think to, to return it to a status that I think was, was prevalent about, what, about three years ago or four years ago when, when Obama changed it from, uh, I think title one to title two, um, you know, the, the internet was working before and I think it's because it's going to work, uh, work now. Um, I think the key thing is that you have competition. The more mm-hmm. you have no competition, um, then it gets tricky because then you know you can't just shift from one provider to the next. Um, but given that the competition, you know, is is still working quite well uh, in the U.S., and I believe that um, the government is probably going to say yes to the merger between Sprint and T-Mobile. I think that's going to strengthen competition. Uh, And not weaken it because in its current state sprint is not is not won't survive um, because it simply doesn't have it doesn't have enough to survive and it doesn't have enough to live. Um, So for me, the discussion, I think, is 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 more complex and it's it's more a this is good. This is bad. This is you know, you need to look at it in detail.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It's, the whole debate has become so polarized with people taking extreme positions on both ends. But um, I, I think you're right. In a properly functioning competitive market, net neutrality probably isn't necessary.
2: Well, again, the, you know, you have to define net neutrality. And, and if you look at it, uh, again, in, in detail, you find that a lot of the things that are relevant are still there as, as basic protections. Mm. There's some bits that have been taken away, but they don't necessarily mean that it's not that, you know, net neutrality is, is, is no longer there. I mean, uh, take, take Google and take uh, Facebook. Um, you know, how, how free are we in deciding what we see on Google and on Facebook? Yeah. Uh, we're not. We are, we're entirely steered by algorithms that, quite frankly, probably even the people at Google or Facebook don't understand anymore. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, that's one of the risks, if you want, of AI. Uh, you know, there's always somebody who programs, um, and then, uh, you know, again, unintended consequences may follow, but it, I think from a legislational perspective, I don't think it is as bad as people make it out to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens here in South Africa, because the, um, the ICT policy white paper takes a very strong hardline approach to, To net neutrality and its implementation Um, There's been no draft legislation At this stage but certainly The government is uh, thinking in the direction Of introducing quite strong uh, net neutrality rules in South Africa. So we'll have to keep a close eye on what they announced there. But that takes care of our news this week. Let's move on to our regular features. Um, winner and loser of the week. Don't actually have a winner this week. Uh, I've been racking my brain for about an hour before the show to come up with one and I just can't. So I think we'll leave that blank. And our loser this week is uh, Bitcoin. And I suppose people who've invested in Bitcoin because the price is continuing to tumble. It's now down 60% since the beginning of the year. Uh, as you know, Rechot, I, um, I, I took a punt on Bitcoin a, a couple of weeks ago and yeah, i'm yeah. W- watching it falling since, since then um so i'm a bit uh, a bit nervous about that investment but uh, lars are you do you um do you play around in cryptocurrencies at all uh
2: no i don't, no, I, don't. I probably a smart to mess. be honest i, I don't <laughs> understand i was at some point i actually had uh, i had some bitcoins um because a friend of mine told me oh you have to go to uh, you know this is really cool go my go to mount gox and oh you can imagine the rest of the story. So I had <laughs> Bitcoins very early on. Uh, I lost them. I didn't replenish then, which probably was a, a huge mistake. Um, but t- to be honest, I still have some difficulty uh, seeing what what can we really do with this. There's so many people who say it's going to revolutionize everything. Um, but I'm not so sure. It's now a 10-year-old, if you want, technology. Yeah. Um, and we have one, one application that has somewhat worked, which is called Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, all the other things are still in experimentation stage, and I think if you, we just talked about load shedding. Uh, if the, if the usage of energy to create uh, Bitcoin. Keeps rising the way it is, um, then I think by 2024, I think somebody has calculated the entire electricity supply of the world will be used to mine bitcoins. Um, so <laughs> which obviously I, I don't is think not going to happen. Viable. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. So I'm, I'm. I think there's many good things uh, about it, um, but I think there's also a fundamental problem mm. that distribution uh, means. Uh, can you really trust something? And part of what makes economy tick is that you can, you know, that you create a a trust between two business parties. If I cannot control what is in there, mm. um, then how can I trust it? So then you go back to some sort of central authority. Um, it's It's a... For me, honestly, it's it's very complicated and I'm, I'm not entirely sure I understand enough about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have yet to see an application that really makes sense.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, you know what they say about investing in things you don't understand? It's probably not a good idea, <laughs> 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 which is why I don't invest in... Mining companies, for example, because I haven't the first idea what they really do, apart from digging stuff out Well,
2: our, our, our mutual friend, Simon Dingle would definitely disagree. Uh, oh, yeah, for he's, sure. Uh, he's a, he is Mr. Mr. Blockchain. <laughs> yes. You
1: know, I had him on the podcast recently, uh, and actually.
2: Cer- and certainly has done very well with it. So, you know, yeah.
0: Kind of <laughs> absolutely. I mean, anyone who bought into Bitcoin. Five six years ago is still sitting very very happy. Uh, it's the guys who bought in December when it was sitting at nineteen or twenty thousand dollars that are are crying into their beer right now. I think. <laughs> Let's move on to our picks of the week, Rehab. Let me start with you. What have you got this week?
1: So I've been playing with a new gaming notebook um, called the Lenovo Legion Y720. It's a new one that they launched. Um, there's various models in the range, but the one that I'm playing with is kind of the, the mid-range model that goes for around 20,000 Rand. Man. But um, it's a pretty great notebook all around. I mean, it's got a GeForce GTX uh, 10, fif- uh, 1050 sorry, uh, graphics card in it, so it can run most games pretty well. Um, as you know, we did some serious pub last night, um, and this gaming notebook performed you know, as good as what any gaming notebook uh, should. Um, the speakers on this thing is what stands out for me. It's pretty loud. It's, a, it's the new Dolby Atmos. Oh, nice. Uh, one of the first notebooks with a new Dolby Atmos sound in it. Yeah. So, sound quality, even reproduced through any headphones, is pretty, uh, inter- uh, is pretty good as well. Now, one of the most interesting features of this notebook is the fact that you can, uh, or it comes with a Microsoft um, controller chip built in, Um, so you can connect uh, your Microsoft Xbox One controller directly to this notebook, which is pretty cool. Um, That's all built in. So yeah, that's the Lenovo Legion Y7 Y720. I've really enjoyed uh, playing with it.
0: Do you have the retail price?
1: Uh, It's about twenty grand.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. We'll include a link in the show notes uh, for that laptop if it sounds interesting to you. Um, Lars, you're going to pick a drone, I believe. Uh,
2: yes, I've been uh, I've been gifted a a Mavic Air, uh, and I'm uh, I'm playing with that thing, and I'm trying to uh, to learn how to fly it, and at the same time do shoot cool videos or uh, take nice pictures um i'm not sure that my dexterity is is quite there yet actually i know it's not <laughs> uh but it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun it's a it's very um uh, it's 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 amazing when you think of what type what technology is actually in this little drone i mean it's you know it's it's much not much bigger than your than your hand yeah um and you think about w- what this thing is doing uh it is absolutely remarkable i mean it's 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 the mind boggles. the The processing power in that thing is 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 massive. Um, the 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 software that is written to to stabilize it, uh, you know, how it hooks into GPS. Uh, it, it is really a, it's it's one of those little tech miracles where you look at it and say, I can't believe this is possible. But it is, so mm. it's
0: fun And of course you live in one of the most uh, beautiful places in the world So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some, uh, some drone I footage would, I
2: would hand that comment right back, sir <laughs>
0: <laughs> No, I think the Swiss Alps are, are prettier than Joe Biggs' mine dumps am um, Pretty I, know, that. I, I think
2: South Africa, on,
1: on the whole, is <laughs> sure, uh, is, an, sure. is an unbelievably beautiful country. But what, uh, what, what, as a matter of interest, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, what, what what are the drone laws like there? I mean, are you are you allowed to fly around all those beautiful uh, parks where those mountains are, or just anywhere? Uh, you
2: are uh, allowed to fly it. You have to uh, register so that if something happens, uh, they know uh, who the drone belongs to. Uh, you have some uh, flight exclusion zones uh, around airports, around some military things, uh, where you're not allowed to fly. Um, but in, in usual Swiss fashion, it's a lot about uh, self, uh, you know, s- self-policing. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's. I think a very pragmatic way of looking at it. Not like in Nepal, where you are not allowed to fly any drone, uh, nowhere. Um, so you know, a, a typical Swiss fashion. A pragmatic way of looking at it um and trying to you know get people to be be responsible which i think on the whole works quite well
0: yeah great my pick this week is uh you know i'm always uh, and and i'm sure you're the same you're always looking to uh, record an interview or um yes. grab a snippet of audio and i've never found a a, 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 a standard voice recorder for um for android that that really works for me. The ones, the default ones that come with the phone are not that powerful. So I did some Googling and I found an app called Easy Voice Recorder Pro. There's a free version, but the pro version comes with uh, some pretty nifty features that I think make it worth paying for. I think it's around 45 Rand in the Play Store and there is also an iOS version available for iPhone and iPad which I haven't tried out Um, but it allows you to do all sorts of of control over the quality of the audio that you're recording Um, so variable bit rates you can record in different audio formats like uh, AAC Wave MP3 and others And it's got full integration in the pro version with uh, Google Drive and Dropbox as well. So you can automatically sync your voice notes and recordings into the cloud once you've, uh, once you've finished a recording. And um, it's, it's pretty powerful software and um, the reviews in the Play Store uh, give it very high marks and um, I've, I've used it to already to record a couple of interviews and I'm very impressed with the quality of it. So if you're looking for a really good um, audio recording software for your phone uh, and uh, you're not too happy with the built-in one, although I think the one on, on iOS is pretty good, uh, the built-in one, um, no. but the Android, the, Android, uh, the Android one on my Samsung, is it's, it's okay, but it doesn't give you a lot of um, variability and control. So I really love this app and I'm using it a lot. It's called easy voice recorder pro and it's available in the play store So go check that out And guys, I think that's almost our show. We um, we just need to do our uh, quiz results Let me do the first question SCOM introduced stage one load shedding this week when was the last time it was forced to load shed and that was uh, in 2015
1: Second question, what was Vodacom Group CEO Samuel Youssef's total pre-tax remuneration for 2018 financial year and will accept answers to the closest million rand? If you guessed it, the answer is 50.3 million rand. Lots of dough.
0: A Martian dust storm covering a quarter of the planet threatens to end a 15-year exploration mission by a NASA rover. What is the name of that rover? And it's the Mars Opportunity.
1: Fourth question, a U.S. court this week allowed the acquisition by which giant U.S. telecoms company of which giant U.S. media company? And the answer there is AT&T and Time Warner, two massive giants in that two industry. Two
0: massive, massive companies, and, um, yeah, these, these massive mega mergers um, don't always end that well, so… Um, Brave move by them, I suppose. Mm. Uh, former Cell C CEO Lars Reichelt, who uh, has been on the show today, who uh, left the mobile operator in 2011, joined which Georgian telecoms operator in 2012, and unfortunately Lars didn't give any hints during the uh, the course of the show. Um, but Lars, let me leave you uh, to answer the question.
2: And the company was called Magticom, M A G T I C O M
0: great stuff well Lars it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show all the way from Switzerland today um, really appreciate you taking the time out I know it's Father's Day today so um, I'm sure there's some extra pressure on your time uh, but it's been, uh, it's been really great to, to, to have you here and hopefully we'll have you on the, on the show again at, at some point in the future
2: it was great to be on the show thank you very much and uh, I hope I will, uh, I will see you either here or in Barcelona or maybe in South Africa
0: Yes, I haven't been to Barcelona to Mobile World Congress for uh, for a while, for a couple of years. So maybe it's time I headed up there next year. Uh, and if I do, I will definitely look you up when I get there, uh, Lars. Very cool, Duncan. Great. Well, from uh, from Rechart, from Lars, and myself until next week. Cheers.